And I think that that's where I found that practice on the mat is necessary, but being able to take that off the mat into every aspect of the way that you live, that's where we actually prove ourselves like this is doing something. I'm responding to this, not reacting to whatever the situation is. And to me, there's a big difference between the two. You know, I'm not just tolerating somebody by being polite, but I'm actually being kind to them. I'm your host, Derek Vander Walker, and for the month of March, I'm honored to present the Warriors at Ease series on Guys Talking Yoga. And today, I'd like to introduce our next guest, retired Major Mark Belker. Mark's been over 20 years with the U.S. Marine Corps, most of those years flying Cobra attack helicopters. And in this conversation, Mark shares his perspective and wisdom for how yoga has helped him on his path and how it's helped other servicemen as well particularly during his time as team lead at Semper Fi Odyssey, a six-day holistic program that provides injured and critically ill active military service members and veterans an opportunity to gain employment resources, but also life planning skills to assist with their reentry into the civilian sector. And you know what? Yoga is a big part of it. Like the rest of the men in this series, Mark's done and experienced a lot in his well-earned years. And he's taken some time to sit down and share with us. Well, Mark Belker, welcome to the podcast and thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Derek. So if you could, tell us a little bit about who you are and your connection to the military. I was a United States Marine from 1989 to 2009. So I somewhat inadvertently spent 20 years in the Marine Corps. It wasn't what I had expected, but the lifestyle was amenable. And I flew Cobra helicopters for 18 and a half of those 20 years that I was in. Had three Westpac deployments and two deployments to Operation Iraqi Freedom during that time. And so during your military career, what was your connection to yoga and how did you get into yoga? I would say somewhat unfortunately during my career, I had no connection to yoga at all. And it was only after I retired, I was invited to begin working with a, a transition course for combat veterans. And part of that week-long course, which was called Semper Fi Odyssey, they had yoga incorporated as kind of a break in the day, but also as a means of allowing people to get reconnected with their physical form again. And so it was through Semper Fi Odyssey and Annie Okerlin, who was running yoga at the time through the Exalted Warrior Foundation, that, that I was introduced to the practice. And that was immediately after you retired from the Marines? That was in January of 2012. So it was about two and a half years after I retired. So it sounds like more yoga was something you got exposed to in the Semper Fi Odyssey program. Is that right? Correct. There was one instance, I would say, of mindfulness that we were introduced to before our second Iraq deployment. And I always kind of tell this story. There was a, a woman that came to speak to us about how we were supposed to, I, I don't want to use the word behave, but just respond when we were in a high stress situation. And she kept coming back to this theme of these five words saying, stop, breathe, wait, think, and choose. And at the time, we sat there as he's you know, going out on our second combat deployment. There was a lot of laughing that was going on and snickering. And I don't think anybody took her seriously. But fortunately, I say, I wrote those five words down in the back of a notebook. So it was in 2005, and I found those in 2014. So it was nine years later, about two years after I started practicing yoga, that I found that. And it was pretty remarkable that I thought, well, the universe was trying to tell me something way back then. I just wasn't listening. Absolutely. 
I don't know if it just comes with age, but I do feel like as I get older, you start realizing the connections in your life and perhaps those little sparks early in your life were a sign or had some meaning in it. And as you look back, things do seem to have a reason for happening a certain place in time and you don't notice it, but somehow in hindsight, you realize there was something there. So when you got back and you were in this Semper Fi Odyssey program and you got exposed to yoga, what were some of the things that for you caught your attention about the potential merits of yoga? Well, there were probably two things. One was the physical aspect of yoga that we were doing at Semperfy Odyssey at that time. There were many, many amputees and people that were more physically affected by the combat experience. And to see them be able to participate in an activity as fully as anyone else was really remarkable. And that was one of the very first things when you look at like the, the asanas and the actual physical practice of yoga. But where it really got its hooks in for me was yoga nidra and the IREF practice of, of being able to relax into a state was, was almost so remarkable for me to realize that you could, could rest that deeply without actually being asleep was really where I was convinced after my first yoga nidra. I was like, I don't know what just happened to me, but there was a lot of energy and power in that. And it really was the buy-in for me. So after that experience, where did your yoga practice lead to? I kind of expanded after my introduction at Semperfy Odyssey. Fortunately, even though I live in a very small town here in central Pennsylvania, uh, we do have two studios available. And so I started to go to practice in the studio. And that's kind of a tricky thing. When it talks about men going into a yoga studio, I always tell the participants at Semper Fi Odyssey for men, that's like the hardest thing is opening the door and stepping in the first time into a world that is kind of feminine, particularly in this day and age, but shouldn't be. And it's a very accepting environment. I started going to a studio here in town up to three times a week. And fortunately, my job allowed me to have that amount of free time to be able to do that. And eventually in 2018, led me to Asheville Yoga Center to get my 200-hour immersion teacher certification completed. So before we talk about your Asheville certification program, when you started going to that local studio in your area, from the get-go, were you committed to doing this multiple times a week? Or did you find that after you started going a couple of times that this was kicking in and you wanted to have some sort of consistency and some structure and some sort of commitment to a practice. I think you're right. I mean, it was something that had to come with a little bit of time. Initially, I, I wasn't going three days a week immediately. But as you start to get to know the, the teachers and the different practices that they're offering, and one of the things that was very fortunate here is that we had a male teacher who was a Navy veteran. So he and I had kind of clicked almost immediately. So I, any practice that he did, I tried to get to. And yeah, and then it became over time, I really noticed the effect it was having on me off the mat in my daily life was really where I started to feel like, okay, I, I need a little bit more of this. And not in the sense of striving for it, but just knowing that it was providing so much good that there, there had to be consistency to, to keep that going. So those three classes you went to, I mean, were they typically the same kind of class or did you find that you wanted to explore different types of classes that the studio offered? When I got to that point of going three times a week, they were typically slightly different. And the one that was a little bit more gentle, mostly yin practice, I would attend with my wife. And then there was one that I would attend with my younger son, who was running cross country at the time. And for whatever reason, he really got into 
this hot yoga that we had. So he and I would go through that. And initially, I was not a fan of, of that much activity in the heat. But one, attending with him was a big deal. But then you kind of get used to it, and it becomes part of that expectation midweek of this is what the activity is going to be. And then the Friday class that I would go to was a very active class. But I always thought, well, this was a perfect way to prep for the weekend. Yeah. And then I can you know spend that hour in like high intensity practice and then have the rest of the weekend to relax. So what was it about the heat that was something that initially wasn't really of interest to you? And then later on, what was it about the heat that you actually could appreciate and start to enjoy? Yeah, I think the initial thing about the heat is uh, for the last 13 summers, I've flown a helicopter for the Forest Service and I spent most of that time out in the West in California in the absolute hottest places you could find on the planet during the summer. And I always tried to kind of not want to get back into that environment. And it also reminded me of Iraq as well, because there were some days I was working midnight to noon. We would get off work and I'd be walking back to the tent. And I, I called it the impressive sound of silence because the generators would be out and it would be 110 degrees in our tent. And then you're trying to go to sleep at two o'clock in the afternoon to go back to work at midnight in this sweltering heat. So that did not attract me because of those things. But I think once you kind of get into the fact like, hey, it's okay, I'm in this space, I'm on this mat, I'm going to drip just like everybody else, and I'm going to slide all over the place, that just becomes like, you feel good about it afterwards. You kind of, as you're sitting there wallowing in your clothes at the end of the practice, that really makes you feel like you did something. Absolutely. And over time, I learned to actually be really hydrated for those practices because it certainly makes the recovery that much better. But there is something about just wringing it all out on a mat in a hot yoga class. And people don't need to be at 103 or 102. Even a 95 degree classroom is probably just fine. I prefer something in the 90s if I'm doing a hot class, but it really cleans you out and it it makes you want to drink a ton of water. It makes you want to eat healthy after that. You have a ton of energy the next day. So what brought you to Asheville? Why Asheville? And what was in you that called you to get certified? Uh, Asheville was a recommendation from Annie Oakland that I mentioned earlier. And she had a good friend, Kimberly Purrier, who was working at Asheville Yoga Center at the time. So I got connected with them. And because I had the time available to work to take the, the three weeks to do the 200-hour immersion all at once, that was really appealing to me. Because I figured if I'm going to go, I'd like to go all in and just focus on that for those three weeks. And it was a great experience. One of the things also pushed me over the edge was Major General Tom Jones, who runs Semper Fi Odyssey. I met with he and his son one day, and we were having a discussion about an unrelated topic. But he then asked me, when are you going to get certified in yoga? And I think that was the poke in the chest because I had been considering it, but wasn't really like thinking, well, it's like, if I do that, like people are going to think that I'm kind of a kook, going to be considered a hippie, as, as he would say sometimes. And, and there was an ulterior motive because I was already there as a team leader. If I was a certified yoga instructor, then I could also be the yoga guy at the same time. So it was one less person we had to coordinate. And initially... I thought, well, that could be overwhelming because the team leader part of it is a lot of work as it is. And then to do the two yoga practices every day. But the very first time that I went there and taught as a team leader and did yoga at the same time, 
that's where I saw like, wow, the opportunity for me to reach all the people here on somewhat of a deeper level than we would in the classroom time that we have with them was really our gift. I was so glad to to be able to do that because that opportunity in this little treehouse where we do our yoga is such a peaceful, quiet place for everybody to be. And I think they're a little more receptive to talking about things, about compassion and self-forgiveness and heart-centered issues. So tell me a little bit more about what other training you have. So following getting the 200 hour, then I, I spent time doing the four years at ease level one online training. And I wanted to, to do that one, just to have a little more credibility and have completed that certification, but also to have a deeper understanding of working with veterans because we did a little bit of trauma informed or you know, trauma sensitive work when I did my immersion training, but not at the level that Warriors at Ease does. And being a veteran, it was been very helpful because I could then understand these are some of the things that other people will have some effect by or triggered by or have issues with that, that you can learn to work with. What is it about Warriors at Ease that people should really know about the program and its teachers? Yeah, I, I think the, the really important thing with Warriors at Ease is the wide-reaching number of teachers that it has all over the country. So not all veterans, but people that are very interested in working with veterans. And it provides a really comprehensive platform for that to be done properly. And particularly for those who didn't serve, to be able to understand what it was to serve. A lot of the, the initial training for that level one certification is based upon someone who wouldn't know anything about the military at all. So they would learn about the different services, some of the kind of quirks and traditions of each service, what their tasks are, what their missions are. And I think that's really important if you're not exposed to that. As a veteran, I obviously had 20 years experience with that, but it was a really good review. And it's also good to know that there are other people who wouldn't know this that are able to learn that and to be able to incorporate that into a practice. Yeah. So it sounds like you got a lot out of it because of the community that you've come from and you are in, but also the community you want to serve. I would imagine a lot of that training and that research around trauma and how people react to stress and challenging situations is helpful probably working with anyone in a yoga studio or just dealing with anyone in life on the street or on the road or any other interaction. I think you're exactly right. It goes to this iceberg theory that we only see 15 to 20% of anything that a person wants to present to us and everything else is all below the surface. And I'm in the process of taking a meditation teacher certification as well. And we just had a conversation yesterday during a peer group about trauma and how to deal with trauma during meditation practice, uh, particularly for people who don't even know that they experience trauma, but it comes up in the practice. One of the things where our mentor offered to me, which makes a lot of sense, the population of people that I've been working with, I know deeply that they've all experienced trauma on some level. So that makes the teaching part of the practice a little bit easier because you know that it's already there and you know what to expect. And if it does surface, it's a little bit easier to be prepared for it. The more that I've gotten exposure to the great people who work at or have been trained by Warriors at Ease, there's just no question they've created a super well-researched, effective training program that as they say, you don't have to be a yoga teacher to enjoy the benefits of Warriors at Ease, whether you're an occupational therapist or a physical therapist or have other disciplines. So clearly they've made a massive impact 
And people are seeing how that kind of training and understanding for how people deal with stress, how that stress manifests is critical and it's in need in so many places. So how do you feel the practice of yoga is relevant for the military and first responder communities? There's a lot of different ways, but outside of the physical aspects of being a little more flexible and and knowing a little bit more about the physical capabilities that you have is really that connection of the mind to the body is where I find the key. So you can do a practice that's very gentle with very few poses, but still have that ability to link the mind through the breath to the physical movement of the body and come back into a sense of yourself, which I think for many uh, veterans and combat veterans particularly, there's a lot of dissociation and inability to do that just because of post-traumatic stress and traumatic brain injury and the other issues that come with combat experience, to be able to spend some time on a mat, non-competitively, non-judgmentally experiencing yourself again is really where I find the greatest importance for yoga in that community. Does that mind-body connection fit into your definition of health? Yeah, I think it, it does fit into that definition. And, and for me, you know, the physical health is one thing, but mental and emotional health, particularly when you're talking about veterans and combat veterans, is a really important need to have all that connected together. And, and so to be able to do that through a practice like yoga, and I think also to give you a, a, an example for myself, is that when you start to have a better sense of how your body is, then when you start to feel things that are a little bit off, it, then as a guy, it's a little more instructive to you to go do something about it. And I've had some history with blood clots in my right calf. And one time when I was on a business trip, I just noticed like something is not right here. I had to go to the emergency room to deal with that. And when I was there, I was asymptomatic and nobody in there could believe it. They kept sending all the residents in to see me because they said, you got to go check this guy out because he came in here of his own volition and he really didn't have any symptoms of anything other than just a little bit of pain, but it's because he knew they had this like inner sense that something's not right here. I really attribute that a lot to my yoga practice. And one of the doctors came in in the morning and it was funny because she did her 200 hour immersion at the same place that I did. And this was about two months before I was going there. And she kind of told me that same thing. Like, oh, I think because you're in tune with yourself, you knew like you're off and something needs to be done about this. I got exposed to yoga 20 years ago, but it's only in the last few years learning to work through my own challenges in my body or areas of tension or trauma. Like you said earlier in this conversation, everyone's got some kind of trauma. You do develop this really subtle ability to, to feel what's going on in your body and your mind. I mean, there's one thing about the mind-body connection where you get stressed out and you're aware that you're stressed and then you get to think and then choose what you want to do about that stress after you've taken your breath. So that's one part of it is knowing your mind. The other part of it is that somatic sense of intuitively knowing that something is not right. And that could be as easy as you're in a yoga class and you know that you need to back off the pace of this vinyasa flow class, or you need to back off from doing that particular pose because either you haven't worked to that point to get confident in that pose, or you need some kind of support, or you don't have it in you. So your experience knowing that there was a blood clot, that sense can be cultivated in anyone. 
And it just takes some time to know your mind and know your body. And the practice of yoga can absolutely cultivate that somatic sense of intuitively knowing that something is not right. It's a real gift. I think so. And I think that that's where I found that practice on the mat is necessary, but being able to take that off the mat into every aspect of the way that you live, that's where we actually prove ourselves like this is doing something. I'm responding to this and not reacting to whatever the situation is. And to me, there's a big difference between the two. You know, I'm not just tolerating somebody by being polite, but I'm actually being kind to them. Yeah, absolutely. So in your experience as a yoga teacher and having been around men in the military, what do you think holds men back from getting into yoga? <laughs> Probably the first thing is yoga pants. You know, because <laughs> you know, I've been asked that question many times, where are your yoga pants? And I'm like, well, it's like you don't have to have yoga pants going to the studio. Shorts are fine. But I really think there's a sense of this idea of like, I'm a dude. This is not for me. Uh, I should be playing football or hockey or you know, doing something that's like manly and cool and competitive. And it's difficult. And I think also, as I said earlier, it's like, you know, we all have a feminine side to us, as we know, through yoga. And it's being able to accept that as part of yourself and saying like, hey, my going into the studio, maybe accepting that in a little ways, but I'm still a guy and I can still go do this amongst all these women. And, and I always tell people when they go to the studio, nobody else in there cares about you and what you're doing other than to welcome you. They're not going to stare at you. They're not going to laugh at you. They're not going to think that you're unskilled because you're stiff. You know, I spent many, many years as a, a long distance runner, and I'm not exactly that flexible of a guy for yoga just because of tight hamstrings and quads and everything, but you can still do it. But I think that there's this idea of like, well, I'm not going to look like the person next to me who's completely folded in half with their hands flat on the floor. And as I found when I went to my teacher training, there was myself, three other men and 27 women. You have to get over that pretty fast. You had made a comment about how it's ironic there's a lot of men in the military getting into yoga. A week or two back, we were talking and a lot of people, a lot of men who still question whether or not yoga is for them would be surprised to learn how many men in the military are taking advantage of the benefits of yoga. How would you define masculinity in the military community? And how do you think yoga is helping men in general learn what it's like to be a better man? I think masculinity in the military community is pretty obvious that it's all about suck it up, you know, don't complain, you got to be macho, there's a lot of type A personalities. If you're not type A, everybody else is going to let you know about it. Yeah, and I would say particularly like coming from my background in aviation, where you have the Tom Cruise kind of role model that is given to everybody. And that's obviously not true. In any ready room, you will find a wide variety of different types of people and there's a lot of peer pressure, obviously, that comes with being that guy. But if you can find a way to get past that and realize, like, I can still be fully male and masculine, but also participate in something that I know is going to be good, not just for me personally, but for the people around me because of the energy that will be created by that. And knowing that it's okay sometimes to be a little soft because sometimes to heal, we need to break down like that. And if the practice allows you to find that space and, and place to do so, then that's okay. We had a, a young soldier at Semper Fi Odyssey once that 
not so much in the practice, but the conversation that we had afterwards, he just became so open to you know, sharing a lot. And as he did this, he just started completely breaking down. And it was really, to me, it was a beautiful thing. I was like, oh, this is what the practice is all about, because there were some other people there, but nobody had anything but, but good things to say and support for this young man. And really what it was, a realization that I'm okay to still be me and be a dad and sit here and cry at the same time. And nobody's going to make fun of me for doing so. And if the practice gets you to that point, and then you know, hey, it's okay. It's a, it, there's no judgment here, and this is acceptable. I think that's where we kind of break through that some of those barriers of masculinity. One time at work where we had lost four pilots in a uh, mishap in Texas, and in talking to the Marines that worked for me afterwards, uh, it was very challenging for me because I had a conversation with three out of the four of them on, on the day that they died. And I broke down in the midst of talking to my gunnery sergeant and the sergeant and two corporals that worked for me. And afterwards, the gunnery sergeant told me years later, she said that was the moment that she felt that was very apparent to her that we were all human beings. And and so, you know, I think up to that point, they had thought, well, he's just the operations officer. He's the major and he's going to be this tough guy. And when you aren't that person and you can expose yourself in that way, but still know, like, yeah, I, I still am myself in every way. That's a good thing. Yeah, I think there's a lot of pressure on men. I mean, things are changing so fast in the world today. It's like the tactics that proved successful for men over the last millennium have somewhat shifted very quickly. And sometimes just being aggressive isn't the best solution for that moment or that situation. We all need to employ a better ability to be more mindful in how we move and interact and what we say and how we respond to anything, not just a threat or a challenge. And I think there's an opportunity for men to be more alpha in their beta. I think the successful people in life in this very complex world we're in now, this always connected world, are going to be the people who really know how to manage their emotions in all moments of life and can have some gracefulness and some compassion not just for others, but also for themselves and learn to let go and move with greater ease. Over time, that's not just good for you and your people around you, but it's also good for your body. I think holding on to a lot of stress, even if it's a low wattage stress for a long time, is just not good. And so one of the things I appreciate about yoga and the ways it can help you work through your challenges in life is, is also it really gives you a a great opportunity to really maximize whatever years you have left because you learn how to move better physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally through life and its challenges. And I think more men need to really get into yoga, even if it's to help them improve their shot off the golf tee, so be it, as long as you're getting in there and you're starting to practice. But I really think the opportunity for a lot of guys is kind of aging peacefully and gracefully in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. And I think if they start now in their you know, 30s, 40s, and 50s, they're going to be in an amazing place in 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. You know, I think, as we talked about earlier, the health benefits, when you look at the science of yoga and meditation and the repairing of telomeres and not unlocking certain parts of the DNA it's pretty fascinating when you can look at it there from like a rational standpoint. A lot of times I try to let the rational part, like I know that it exists, but I, I don't want that to be you know the driving force of the practice. I just have to have a lot of faith. 
that just to do it is the right thing. So Mark, as we look to close here, for guys who have been circling the wagons around a yoga practice or have never tried it, what would be your advice on why they should get into the practice and what they would be missing out on? I would say that if you dabbled in it a little bit, as they say, like titrating and pendulating, you're kind of dipping your toe in and then pulling back. Just give it a chance and take the opportunity to find a studio that's in your area if you haven't been to one yet. And even just contact the owner or go in and talk to them and not have any real concern right then of attending a class, but just to to get a feel for what's it like, even if they just give you a tour around so that when you do decide to, to go into the studio, you're familiar and at least you know where you're going. And I think that to if you've done just a little bit and, and you've started to have a sense of the positive effect it may have, I can't see why you wouldn't want to have more of that. With all the stress and strain that we've had in the last two years, particularly, to have an outlet that's always with you that you can use to your health advantage and to your personal advantage and all the relationships that you have to find that place where you can just be yourself, but be a better self. There's no reason not to try. Well, Mark, it's been great connecting today. I first of all, I want to thank you for your service to our country. I want to thank you for sharing your practice and your teaching with yoga with so many of others. And I really appreciate you sharing your story and your perspective on your yoga practice and how it's helped. And I look forward to staying in touch and I wish you the very best. Uh, thank you, Derek. Be well. So I really enjoyed my conversation with Mark. You know, the 30 odd minutes that we shared highlights the fact that there's some really tough guys out there who do yoga. And it's because of their desire to transform themselves and improve the quality of their own lives that they can be in a place to help others. And that's one of the biggest takeaways I have gotten from these Warriors at Ease conversations. So make sure you check out our next guest, Chris Davis. He's another great guy with an inspiring story. Chris spent 25 years in the Fayetteville Police Force and eventually retired as Assistant Chief of Police, and now he's a yoga instructor. In our conversation, he shares some powerful insights about the stresses of policing and how yoga can help foster resilience. So please check it out and remember to follow us on Instagram at GTY Podcast. Until next time.